Hello and welcome to the STC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. Jason, Ben, how are you? Well, <laughs> as good as I was uh, 20 minutes before when I saw you, <laughs> we went for our daily exercise. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, our yard, yard time. Yard time. I'm at yard time now. <laughs> I'm actually exhausted. <laughs> I hit my 8,000 steps and trained this morning. Yeah, I think I'm at 7,000 and I did, yeah, I've trained as well. So, yeah, very, very, I'm, I'm on course to uh, tick off my non-negotiables today. Good. I, um, I made, made a big step this week in my training, who you'd be proud of. Yeah. I was able to superset my fives in my program so the first few weeks i'm like there is no fucking way that i can do a heavy five overhead and a heavy five pull up that's not happening (laughs) Uh, but we're there now so that's very exciting it cut my workout time by 20 minutes it's very happy about it i um i have a confession to make i uh was supposed to do like quads uh chest and triceps like i do i basically do like a anterior posterior um, twice a week and I do like a DUP method. So I do like, you know, heavy, this muscle group, and then it's lighter and moderate later in the week and, and reverse it. Yeah. When I got to like the high rep quad set, um, quad session, um, which was today, last week, I bailed on it and just did my, um, like cable, uh, costal press. And then today I was like, stop being a bitch. Like, just do it. And I did it. I'm very proud of myself. And how are you feeling now? No, I feel okay. I think it was more a conditioning thing. And I like had way too much caffeine last week. So I yeah. made sure that I could breathe uh, for an extended period of time. Um, and yeah, helped tremendously. So yeah. Very good. Volume load was up. But it's like fake progress because I didn't do it last week. Yeah, so. you skipped it. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do an exercise. Like, therefore, I, I should I should have done it. So it's not progress. It's like I should have done it and I didn't. Yeah, it's funny. Anyway. Like one of the things I've noticed going to like the self coaching things, like how valuable that volume load tracker we have is. Yeah, I fucking love it. Yeah, it's, it's like, handy. Yeah, like oh, I've just got to do two more reps, one more rep on everything, and my volume load goes up. Yeah, the only the only time I find that you need to, I guess, like look at it from a broader lens, is when you up the weight and the reps go down. Yeah, because so then you you've got to look at it from like week one to you know eight or whatever. Like, because I went up in weights and some of the reps I couldn't meet the same rep range as last week. So it was like all overall volume load kind of lesser. But then I was like it's there's more to it than that so you yeah. just got to talk to yourself Me- about it mechanical and, load is up yeah that's it and yeah. it's like um oh this will be back where it needs to be in two weeks time and then yeah. the process will repeat itself and then we'll look yeah. over the course of this eight-week period and i'll be lifting the same reps for a significant more amount of weight so yeah yeah, yeah. i think i'm in the position at the moment where it's just like it's all conditioning progress yeah, you're getting better at working out <laughs> yeah. those rep ranges rather yeah. than your so muscles like, actually getting bigger or something yeah, yeah an eight to 12 or an eight to 10 <laughs> and then like a 10 to 15 it's like i did week one at 10 now i can do 13 like yeah we're happy there <laughs> yeah yeah there's only a couple of exercises that like they'd just be skill adaptations ones that i haven't done for ages yeah like pec flies and shit it's like they're going up in load every week mm. sitting at the bottom end because it's like well, that feels fucking really light yeah. um but it's just skill adaptation but yeah yeah it's been yeah. fun to look at that shit anyway yeah so it's so important to have extended periods in programming with new exposures because mm. that progress you're getting is just you getting better at the exercise like a lot of people will you know think that that's progress like strength yeah. and muscle size um and then yeah like if you have a short programmed period you know, that four weeks that most people do yeah. um it's like you just change your program and Get better you actually 
did you actually get good enough to like challenge your body? Yeah. Um, to a point where it needed to like increase in strength and muscle size. So yeah, particularly with obviously the topic of today is going to be fat loss. Like, I mean, I've lost what are we up to now? Two, three kilos since comp. Health. Like it's it's like I, I'm pretty sure I'm not getting more muscular or stronger while I'm reducing my yeah. <laughs> body weight like yeah. that drastically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, getting fitter. Yeah, and more yeah. Got the boxing gloves out on the weekend, mate. Come on, oh, mate. You were moving like lightning. You were faster than the the other time I watched you. That was hysterical, bro. Yeah, I could actually move, which was yeah. Not, yeah. that was hysterical. <laughs> like you trying to pivot on an axis, <laughs> fucking hell. I yeah. was like, I, I reckon I watched it like ten times. <laughs> like how how fast? But more so because I know how fast you you would have thought you would have moved. Yeah, and when it what it actually looked like because I've done it too. I'm like, oh yeah, feeling good a couple of one twos whatever and you look back and you're just like man that's so slow <laughs> yeah it was funny like i when i recorded it it was it was all hands like early on it was all just like technique roll the thumb like all that shit and then i was like i threw one right hand and it like hit the bag hard and i was like i don't think i've ever hit a bag that hard before just because there was so much weight behind it yeah and i was like in my head i was like oh yeah pivot the, like rotate through the yeah. hip and like Move your hips i watched the video back and i was like you're still not even halfway there bro <laughs> like there's still so much more in it try and play try and play golf yeah all you know, rotation in your hips sell me your clubs and i will when we're allowed outside Look, we can't play golf at the moment so i don't know if i can justify a new set of irons to the wife when we're in lockdown outside of like oh, i felt really sad and i need to buy my feelings now i feel better yeah <laughs> now i can't use them so i feel sad again yeah yeah my car's gonna come home freshly serviced and all cleaned up and go back in the garage today yeah it's exciting <laughs> this life yeah all right so let's talk fat loss Yes. So the goal of today's episode, I guess, is to give trainers a perspective of how we approach a fat loss client, mm. the things they need to consider from, I guess, from a, a theoretically point of view of what actually goes on in a fat loss stage and then how to actually implement that and coach it rather than just like, this is how fat loss works. Good luck. Yeah. Or you, it's, it's easy because it's just energy and energy out. So you just need to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah so yeah if you want to unpack maybe just like the mechanistic process that the body goes through for fat loss and what yeah. we're trying to achieve yeah yeah so it's always good to understand um uh, just general mechanisms guys um it's important that we i think it's important that people understand fat gain and fat loss because <clears throat> realistically if someone's trying to lose fat they need to stop actively putting it on first um, and to only to know how to do that, they need to understand, you know, uh, like just the process of like fat storage. So essentially in a very brief uh, kind of uh, perspective, because we won't go into too much detail, it's like we have excess energy available um, for the body that it no longer needs to use for you know, energy demand. So that uh, excess energy needs to go somewhere. So our body has a really, really fascinating way of converting energy into long-term energy storage that it can you know, sit in pockets of the body um, and utilize later on. So it will convert that energy to body fat. It'll store that fat in the adipocyte, which is uh, a cell that's you know, uh, stored in the body. And it'll fill that cell up you know, if there's an excess energy storage, um, sorry, excess energy availability happening continuously. And once that cell fills up, uh, it will then replicate another cell um, and fill that up and that process will continue. So, you know, it's an important thing to understand that when we like foods don't make you fat, not doing certain things make you fat, like drinking certain things doesn't make you fat. It's like, if we understand that it's like a, a flux of energy going in the system and out of the system, and we're really trying to balance that, like what's going in and out, when we're processing or you know putting on body fat, it's generally because there's too much energy going in and our body wants to store that for later. Um, and it sees that as a favorable thing because you know if we ever get into a state of extreme famine, it has these long-term energy supplies on the system to preserve it which is the number one role of the organism, right? Is to protect itself. So we need calories, we need energy, we need to make ATP. Um, so it's got a, a very, very efficient process of doing that. So then 
The opposite of that is, you know, fat loss. So we would need an undersupply of energy coming in the system, which we have control of through food and drink you know, in the form of calories. So when we don't have enough calories coming in and there's energy expenditure exceeding the calories, we would go through that stage of like, you know, stress hormones go up, uh, they bind to, you know, receptor size, you know, activate enzymes, all this other smart shit that doesn't really matter. And it, it, it extracts the fat out of the cells, uh, a protein transporter or sorry, a transporter comes along, takes it out into the bloodstream, you know, takes it somewhere where it needs to get used, you know, converts it into ATP um, and, you know, energy occurs. So that process will happen, you know, when there's not a supply of energy coming in through the diet, through food and drink, you know, your body will go through this, like, I guess, extraction, um, you know, transportation and conversion, which are the three processes of fat loss um, until we eat again. Um, so that'll happen acutely food going in that that will cease. Um, and then it'll, you know, kind of uh, reignite again, once we kind of have this undersupply of energy kind of happening again, and the activity exceeding it. So knowing both those things now, it's like, really starts to, I guess, like clear the lens up in, in my opinion on like exercises and, you know, teas and supplements and all of these things. It's like, um, you know, the meme of the, the water polo dude who's pouring water on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that meme just is so applicable to like fat loss and stuff. It's like all these supplements and all these things that people are doing, but they're not taking care of the things mechanistically. So it's like you're really just wasting your time. Like, yeah, you're in a pool trying to cool yourself down. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's almost like there's two ends of the spectrum at the moment. Hey, it's like there's in the middle, which is I, where we spend most of our time in most of what we do. Then there's this, this, the extreme, like there's no such thing as a good food and a bad food taken too far. It's like a healthy organism. An unhealthy organism will have an impact on your energy out part of that equation. So we still need to consider micronutrients and stuff as well inside when it's not like just eat this like just eat nothing yeah. and, and expect that to work for a long period of time um and then you've got the other side of the coin which is like yeah if i wrap fucking cellophane around my stomach for two hours then i will lose fat um that's not how things work <laughs> yeah yeah it's important to understand both of those 100 100 so as coaches like if we know this stuff then it's like we you know we can really start to unpack some information that people get from their friends, from TV, um, from people on social media who are selling products to fill their pockets. It's, you can really start to just not go in on them, but just say, Oh, I'm you know curious to know how this works. Like, you know, how does this really adhere to, you know, like this energy balance equation, which really does govern, you know, our body composition and our body fat levels. It's like, you know, where does this thing that you're doing diet supplement, you know, fucking waist trainer, where does this sit um, within these, you know, kind of overarching principles that govern, you know, the most important variables, uh, which is a tremendously valuable thing to do. Um, and then it's obviously learning how to communicate it in a proper way. So the client doesn't feel silly and, you know, they can kind of tell you without, just be transparent because your clients will do a lot of things probably without telling you in some cases, if they don't feel like they can ask you questions. Um, so it's really important that, we understand that they don't know. So like just saying like, oh, it's just as simple as this and or saying like, I, I can't believe you don't know that this tea doesn't make you lose body fat. Like that's not really kind of like laying a foundation of like trust and transparency. Yeah. Anything that makes the other person feel stupid. It's like, that's not coaching at that point. Yeah, that's right. And we'll, we're going to unpack the, the mechanistic stuff and then kind of move into the coaching stuff. And the coaching yeah. stuff is really where, um, we can start to kind of like, you know, have tools and, and, and strategies to make sure both people are obliging to the obligations here as a coach and a, and a, and a client um, and, and navigating through fat loss because it's, it's different. It's different to every other goal. So we need to make sure that we're um, ticking all the boxes and dotting the I's uh, and crossing the T's. Yeah. But moving, uh, kind of moving on from the, from the overarching mechanistic stuff, like, what people need to understand is there's like always going to be pushback, right? There's trade-offs. So we've got the, we'll call them positive side effects because that's what they are, right? Positive side effects when we're trying to drive fat loss are the fat loss. <laughs> like realistically, it's like the fat loss, 
you know, the feeling of achieving the results that you want or achieving the goals that you've set out to, like, they're the things that people really talk about. Um, what we also need to consider, especially as coaches, you don't necessarily need to like communicate all of these things to your clients, but I, I'm a big believer in it, but some people aren't. And that's the, the, the negative side effects. It's like the things that are going to happen as a trade-off of trying to lose body fat. So if we look at it, it's like, it's going to happen for a, an acute to chronic period of time, really. It's like, I don't know what the midterm is for that, but it's like, you know, an eight, eight week period, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and you're going to be eating less uh, and essentially moving more or just eating less and creating a deficit uh, from that, which is going to lead to things like hunger, you know, irritability, possibly like a lack of sleep or, you know, lack of sleep quality, um, you know, hunger, uh, those kind of things. So all of those things are little mechanisms and pushbacks from your body because they don't essentially really want to decrease in body size because when they're decreasing in body size and their long-term energy storage is depleting, it's a real threat to the survivability of the organism itself. Like think about it. If your number one priority was to preserve yourself, you know, that was your job, then losing your long-term energy storage. It's like, it's like the bank account that has all the money. It's like your, um, the fire extinguisher bank account, right? It's like, that's there for when shit hits the fan. So if you start peeling money out of that, it's like, you're going to be like, Hey, I think you should put some more money back in there. So you start thinking about, you know, where, what are you spending your money on? Why are you doing this for? You should put money back in that account. It's a very similar concepts to your body and your fat and, and fat loss. It's like, we need, it's going to start to say, Hey, like, you know, you're hungry now you should eat, you know, you should eat this food. You should move less. You know, what we're going to do is actually, we're going to try and burn less energy for the same level of activity that you do right now. You know, we're going to do, we're going to do all of these things to push back on the fact that we're trying to, or the environment that this person's in or this organism's in is actually depleting itself. You know, even though like we, your body doesn't know it's in a, like a, a first world country with access to like Uber eats and shit. Um, but it's just like, once we know this stuff, it makes the variables data tracking and the planning of the fat loss process very important because we need to kind of like phase the fat loss. We need to make sure we're tracking the right variables. We need to know, um, you know, feedback from the client and those kind of things. So they're essentially like the adaptive mechanisms to dieting, essentially. Yeah. Like metabolic adaptation, um, you know, all of the side effects that come with that stuff. It's like, we need to make sure that like we're aware of those things and we're looking for them with our clients. Like, I'm not sure if it's valuable to tell people that, things are going to happen because then they can start to like create a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, you may kind of want to articulate it in a specific way or maybe wait till you look at some certain metrics and they start to appear and then investigate further. But we still need to make sure we know what they are before we're working with somebody because they're going to happen and yeah. you can navigate people through them and continue on. But you also can get to a point where you've got to be like, let's have a talk about how valuable it is to continue. Maybe we should kind of just have a bit of a break and go again. Yeah. To make it, I guess, like practical for the, for a trainer looking at this, I'd say there's probably three types of people that you're going to approach a fat loss protocol with. It's someone who comes to you, who's likely been chronically, I don't, it's not a deficit because they're probably not losing weight anymore, but chronically eating lower than their upper level of maintenance, who is probably experiencing all the side effects that Jace just talked about without any of all the negative side effects, without any of the positive side effects. So like Jace said, the lethargy, the mood, the poor performance in the gym, the low sex drive, maybe uh, affected the menstrual cycle, all of those types of things. That person comes to you and is like, hey, I want to lose X amount of weight. There's, we need to consider that. Then we've got someone who's truly like just eating like an asshole and comes yeah. to you who wants to lose weight. And then we've got a client who, for whatever reason, is about to go into a fat loss phase. So I think in all three of those, for very different reasons, but the first step for all three of those people are the same. 
And I refer to it as a habit formation phase when I talk to my guys. So it's like, I want to know your training consistently you're moving well we don't have any injuries or anything like that that we're dealing with your sleep is good your life stuff is in a place where it's reasonable to expect um, to pursue this goal right now and all of those ducks are sort of in a row with a new client that tends to be anywhere from three to six weeks depending on adherence and depending on how bad shit is yeah. uh, when they come to me for a client that i already have Typically, I'm assuming that we've been eating well throughout that process already. Like we've been managing all the all those metrics. It's just time to just be like, okay, now we're in a deficit. And the communication there is just like more along the lines of in terms of like what you said, the expectations and timeframes. It's like, how hard are you willing to go at this and for how long? Yeah. Like, yeah. do you want to go short and aggressive? Do you want to go slower and more steady? Also training goal too. Um, I think my physique guys are way more aggressive than my strength guys because there's just that that injury um, aspect is is heightened uh, and attaching when you train a physique person, getting leaner is the goal, right? Like looking better yeah. is the goal. So if they're losing body fat week to week, that's fucking awesome. You train someone who is attached to the outcome of their performance and their strength stops progressing and or goes backwards. It's like that's a negative side effect, which was their primary goal in the first place. Yeah. So we've got to be careful of that as well. Yeah. And it can contradict the main goal by facilitating recovery and performance. So you've got to be very careful. It's a very fine line to kind of walk on. But like most people, like everyone's looking for like the best method, like the best method to coach fat loss. And like, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've got a preferred method. Um, but I think that, you know, like I spoke about the other day, there's optimal and then there's optimal for the client. Um, so that's going to like, we, we look, we can look at things like optimal is where we, we try and draw a framework off and manipulate it individually for someone. So we want to know what optimal is because we need to go, okay, so what can I do in the best circumstances and take as many of those elements as I can and bring them across to somebody who's done the right things, built the right habits, you know, has the lifestyles willing and able all of those kind of things and go, right, well, this person's going to train at this time. They still have all these other commitments. They run two businesses. They've got a family, all this stuff. So you've got to still kind of consider that that's not optimal when we look at the best situation, but that's never going to happen unless someone's job is to get shredded. So then we can go, right, well, let's do as many of these things as we can and make this kind of applicable for this person. And that's going to differ for so many people. Like, you know, I've got clients that you can just, absolutely smash them in terms of the deficit like 40 percent straight off the bat hey do that hour of cardio in the morning you know off you go and it's sweet hey feeling great all good whatever right typically find those people uh don't have a lot of plates to spin when we look at life like you know all the all the spokes in the wheel of life you know family work um you know other commitments this and that it's like there's not as many things but then you've got those other people where it's just like, you know, they're studying, they've got a job, um, they've got, you know, a partner, whatever. It's like, you can't, you can't take that same approach anymore. You know, you've got to go, well, we might need to go slower. We might need to back off. We might need to do this. So we really can't give someone or anybody or you guys, like, this is what you do. It's just that like, you can, you can start a deficit for in, in our opinion, probably between 20 and 40%. Uh, 20% is going to be great for someone who wants to go moderate to longer timeframes. 20% is good. It gives you a, lee a bit of leeway for people to make mistakes. Like people don't track accurately um, and people overeat, you know, habitually um, if you look at it statistically as well. So 20% gives you a bit of a buffer for those longer, lower, slower people. 40% is great if someone's had a short time frame or is willing to kind of like grit their teeth and get it done. It's just, you can't live that life for very long. So you've got to be very mindful of like, the phasing of nutrition, the phasing of fat loss, no different to like your phase and mesocycle, your program. But at all times, we kind of need to be very transparent with the client and say, well, if we pick this method, this is what's going to, this is what's likely going to happen. These things you're going to get, you know, you, you're going to probably get or assume or experience the onset of the side effects that we spoke about a little bit sooner. And because we know this, we're only going to do this for a short period of time. First review the progress and the success of it and keep going from there. And that person has to be willing to agree to that. 
Like they have to be, you know, they have to have done all those things you said, like laid all all the bricks, you know, poured the slab, whatever it is, like have the foundation and then go, right, well, if this foundation's solid enough, we can push this hard if you agree. But if you can't, we have to now turn those dials to something that's more applicable that we both agree is going to work. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's like if anyone's looking for a blanket approach, it doesn't exist. You can have a method, um, 100%. Um, it's just that be mindful that unless you attract the same person yeah. as a client, you know, like that's not going to work, you know. So you have to, and, and to attract that type of person who's the same, who's willing to, I guess, like who, who has the same behaviors and characteristics, it's like that's going to take a long time to do as well. So if you're a bit newer to the game, um, it's like, even then these people have kind of worked with a broad spectrum of people to kind of narrow things down to this method that they have that goes, right, this is the person I want to work with and this is the most effective for them. So even then it's like, you need to learn everything you can within coaching fat loss to then go, I feel this works best with me for my knowledge and skill set and my clients. Yeah. I think your method is more of a checklist of if this, then that, then it is a specific percentage deficit time frame, whatever. Yeah. So having having a, a dieting method that you apply to your clients should be like, okay, if they've been in a chronic deficit for a long period of time or chronic chronically under their maintenance for a long period of time, I tend to do this. Yeah. Like that, that sort of becomes a method rather than like, well, everyone that I work with goes on 30%. It's like, that's not, you might have tendencies, like say what we said before, like your strength clients and you gave a range of like, like 20 to 40 so typically, again, typically my strength guys are going to stay around 20. 100%. My physique guys are going to start around 30 if and 40 if they're willing and able. So it's like, if this, then that, that's the method, not the outcome of the actual prescription. Yeah. yeah. So if, you, like if you're looking to create your own as a coach, it should be the questions that you're asking and what you're trying to figure out from the client first. Yeah. Agreed. Then so we've, we've set that up with the client. We've got realistic expectations. We've set a time frame based on pretty much how hard we're going to go and the willing enablement of the client. Like everything that we do, and we say this all the time, it's proactive with reactive measurements. Yeah. Um, so when you're setting up a plan and considering the outcome, we, if we look at it if that in that if this, then that kind of model, what questions are you asking for when you're setting a specific goal for someone or a specific approach for someone based on a goal? Uh, is this in regards to like everything, training, diet? Just you know? like just going into, well, I guess those things come into it, right? It's like, what's the overall goal of the client? That's going to decide what you, decisions you make. Yeah, so with, well, we're talking fat loss, right? So I guess from a physique perspective, which is where you know, most of my, you know, decision-making comes from and thoughts come from because I work with only those people. <clears throat> it's, we want muscle retention. We want fat loss. We need consistency and adherence. No, if we take care of those four things, then we're ticking the boxes. So the plan needs to be achievable, needs to be realistic. Um, it needs to be, is the key word, specific. Um, so you can play a drinking game with like all, the, all of our content. If it says it's, specificity or specific you can have a shot you'll be pretty wasted i would say that um but then it needs to take into consideration the flow-on effect uh from specificity which is like progressive progressiveness um there needs to be some individualization and then there needs to be a little bit of variety too because variety is where for a lot of people the consistency and adherence starts to kind of be reinforced um so if we have all of those elements uh from a training or even just from an overall plan perspective like we're putting our clients in the best position from, from, a, from your obligations as a coach to make the best plan for them. So when we talk about specificity in terms of training, it's like the best program to retain muscle is one that builds it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll argue until I'm blue in the face about it, but it's like realistically, we're probably turning up dials differently in terms of total work, um, but the approach we take is not very different. 
you know, and it's not very different for most of the time. So we're still doing the same exercises. We're still exposing our body to mechanical tension. We're still trying to progressively overload where we can, um, because all of those things are going to create a sufficient stimulus for our body to retain the muscle that it's got, because we're creating shifts in the system that that body needs to respond to. It needs to repair itself and go, fuck, I don't want to deal with that anymore. So I'm going to make myself better. The thing that we need to do very, very, uh, articulately is match the diet to those considerations because it's like increased there's less energy going in we're in a catabolic state well people might not understand that catabolic means body fat and muscle tissue means all tissue that's being broken down so we if we're trying to pervert uh preserve muscle mass or lean body mass we'll call it uh we have to create supply an excess amount of protein in the diet you know we need it to recover um, and we also need to consider that if we get super lean, that our body might try to start using proteins for fuel at some point, but you'd have to be pretty lean for that to happen. But it's a, a very uh, mechanistically, or I guess like from a research perspective, it's quite common to have like larger proteins in the diet or larger protein quantities in the diet for that reason. So it's like you want to dot your I's and cross your T's there. When it comes to like overall calories, where the fats come from, where the macro, uh, the carbs come from. It's not that big of a deal, like where they come from in terms of distributions of ratios. You need a little bit of fats for health perspectives. But other than that, it's like, just choose your poison. Um, and I guess like make sure that you're working with your calories and your protein uh, amounts as like the overarching kind of things. Yeah, whatever, so like, makes, whatever makes you perform the best. If we're, so then it's like, all right, well, we've created this plan. This person, it's set to their frequency and, you know, all of the obligations, like the amount of work, the time that they can commit to their training. It's specific to these outcomes, muscle retention, progression has individualization. We've picked movements that that person likes or that, you know, we might need to still kind of like uh, try and develop or, or keep stimulated so that they don't break down or for whatever reason. Um, and then we've got this diet that really starts to reinforce the mechanisms of fat loss and trying to retain muscle tissue. It's like, that's there's no more specific plan for fat loss than that yeah i agree the the only other consideration i would add would be a step before that in terms of like setting the plan is the and this is something that both clients and trainers i think get wrong a lot is what is the overarching goal because it, it's mm. very easy to get into a chronic fat loss mindset where it's like like all the girls want bigger bums and bigger shoulders. All the boys want bigger quads and bigger shoulders and bigger chests. Like that's not happening in this phase. So we need to be, we need to consider the overarching goal and make a specific choice for this period of time, yep. which is then the fat loss and then be very specific of how you're going to do the fat loss. Like I, with my powerlifters, for example, going into a fat loss phase, that fat loss phase is done when volume is high, when injury risk is low, when stress overall stress is low from the training. It's like that needs to be a consideration. If you want to build a body part, there needs to be a consideration. You have time to do that. If it's a photo shoot and you're 20 weeks away, you don't have to be dick skin lean. It's like, okay, well, when's your growth going to happen? Mm. How much of that surplus can you afford? And then when does the fat loss happen? How are we timing that, et cetera? Yeah, like fat loss, for me, uh, unpacking the overarching goal is super important. Like, because most people, they want fat loss, but that's the method to the overarching goal. Like strength is the same thing. It's like strength is the method to the overarching goal. So it's like, what is the overarching goal? Like people are going to say like, oh, I want to fit in this dress. And I want, it's like, it's not really good enough. Like, it's like, what does that mean to you? What is it? What do you look like? Like, you know, what are you doing? You know, what is the person that has this like doing right now? It's like most of the time it's like that's not five dropping five percent body fat that gets them that outcome it's like you know you've there's habits behaviors there's different mesocycles within these overarching goals of this person's building strength building muscle working on your delts working on your glutes getting massive arms you know working on your squat working on your deadlift whatever it is so if you're not unpacking this overarching goal for this client it's going to be really hard to kind of keep that person on course the whole time because it's like what happens like once we lose fat 
yo, what happens once we get there? It's like, is this person, does this person supposed to stop forever? Like, is this the box tick? We're done, you know, or do we start to look at things more overarching and go, right, well, this is what you need to look like, or this is how you want to perform, or this is what you want to do in order to do that. We're going to phase your fat loss. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's like, that really starts to keep the person kind of thinking long-term starts to shorten things. And more importantly, from a fat loss perspective, and I tend to find this is more prevalent in females, is like, you just don't have to live with your identity binded to losing fat all the time. It's like, you can set a goal, tick it off and set a fucking new one. Yeah. You know, like that's part of the mission for us. Yeah. It's like, you can have more than one goal. You can set a goal, achieve it, and then you can move on to a new goal. And that's what yeah. we should always be doing. But unpacking that, unpacking that goal, like that main reason this person's here is going to be part of the way that you get to this kind of first stepping stone and go, fat loss was part of it, but there's some, there's more to this now. Mm. You know, so we need to work on those things because you've, you've, you've done that now. Like it's over. Yeah. It's funny. Like one thing, I, one drastic change I've seen between strength focused clients or lifters and physique focused is most people are aware that it takes a really fucking long time to get really strong. And as long as they're progressing in that direction, they're kind of happy and they'll have body composition goals and want to look better naked and all that along the way. And we'll do that, but it's easier to paint this like, Hey, it'll probably take you three, four, five years to get close to what you're capable of. And everyone's sort of like, okay, so I need to do this for a really long time and that's okay. Whereas a physique crowd is more just like, they don't think what they want their physique to look like in two years, in three years, or what they want to perform like or how they want to be. It's just like, I need to lose fat right now. And that's the only thing that matters. So it's almost, you said like set a goal and set a new one. It's almost like set the three-year one where do you want to be in three years? And then what are all the steps that get you there? Yeah. It's, it's interesting how different that is between those two outcomes. Yeah, yeah. I guess a good example to like frame that off is like for the contest prep guys, like that's that's an easy way to, um, to unpack that for someone. Mm. It's like you set the date, you're in this category, you need to look this way. You need to be this level of leanness. They look for this specific type of musculature um, for you know, male, female. And it's like, then you just start peeling it back. Longer prep's better. And you've got this period now. Look at what you are, you're at now. Look at what you need to be. We need to build this. Boom, we're done. For those people, for those lifer clients, you know, who like train for life, don't have a specific outcome, want to look good. It's like the, just the constant pursuit for like greatness and aesthetics. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you still have to look down the road 12, 24, 36 months down the track and go, well, this is really what I want to look like. This is really how I want to be performing. Mm -hmm. So then we can start to do what you just said and like uh, reverse engineer everything that's happening. I've got a um, consultation with a client after this for that exact purpose. It's like train for life, committed, you know, values working out, but it's like, I don't really know what to do now. Like we're mm -hmm. cutting. It's like, should we stop? Should we move on? It's like, I'm not sure. So it's like, okay, we need to unpack the goals again. Yeah. You know, and they move, they move. So as a coach, it's like really make sure that you communicate on a regular basis. Hey, you know, really happy with how things are going. Um, you know, ask them if they are and just say, just making sure we're on track for X, Y, and Z, you know, which is the goal. Remind them all the time. You know, our goals are the client's goals are in the check-in sheet or the, sorry, the coaching sheet, the document, sorry. Yeah. Um, and it's like a really easy thing. Go over there, just making sure that we're still working towards this. Because if you've got you know, 40, 45, 50 clients, you're not going to remember all their goals you know, individually. So you've got to have them somewhere. But you've always got to remind your clients that they're working towards them because they'll forget. And then it's like, it, you, it's hard to get them back on the course of the program when they fall off. And even just from like a um, retention perspective too, it's like, they fall off the wagon, they can't get back on. Like, um, it's highly unlikely that they're going to work for you for an extended period of time, too. Yeah, 100%. So, how do you go about making sure the client 
understands like how fat loss works, like what yeah. level of detail do you go into? Education is pretty important. And, you know, we're uh, obviously big advocates of empowerment uh, and creating assets as business owners to educate clients on, you know, just the multiple things that, you know, we work with like for goals um, and then just like encouraging them to live the lifestyle too. It's like, okay, well, how do I need to eat? How do I need to sleep? You know, how does this work? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So if it's an extreme outcome uh, with an extreme deadline, I am most likely going to have a one-on-one coaching call with that client to set the expectations and the time frame and the deadline. And, you know, just be like, are you hundred percent confident with this? Do you need to know anything else? Are you confused? Whatever. Cause when you got a deadline and you're hired for a job, like you're getting paid for it. It's like, you need to make sure that, you know, everyone's on page, you know, like, it's like, we need to make sure that this is going to happen. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, contest prep, everyone gets one of those um, just because the variables are very, the detail is very, uh, is high, you know, and the decision-making is important. So we need to know a lot of things and we need to make really intricate dis- decisions with a fat loss client that doesn't have a general, like I'm not, not that we treat them differently. It's like when you are a lifer client and you value your fitness and you value looking good and all of that kind of stuff, then, and there's no really distinct deadline. It's still important to educate these guys and, you know, make sure that they understand what's going on. I think that your check-in process and the resources that you have are the most valuable thing. Cause like, again, you got 40, 50 clients, you work online, you know, if you don't, if everyone doesn't have a specific kind of deadline, that's a lot of coaching sessions to do on a regular basis for people. So you could offer that. It's just that, you know, are you willing, are you wanting to do that as part of your service? Are you going to charge accordingly? Um, or it's like, I, if you're having these conversations that, you know, aren't about the nuances of coaching, the individualization of it. So you're not talking like, I'm not talking about specific things for you right now and specific things for my next client. It's like all overarching stuff. And it's like, we really could nut most of that out with creating assets for your business, coaching portals, videos, resources, that kind of stuff. We've pretty much taken care of most things. They set their goals. They work on their character traits and, and, and characteristics. You know, they understand the mechanisms to fat loss. They can build their nutrition strategy that sits, uh, suits their lifestyle. They have a check-in procedure that pretty much takes care of all of the variables that we want to look at to make good decisions for them. And then it's about just building a good relationship with them, saying, you know, ask questions. You know, I'm, I'm available to you. So use me as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I actually have in my consultation process. Like when I explain what is involved in coaching is like, I'm a super nerd and I love all of this shit and I like knowing how all of it works. But when I tell people, most of them just get overwhelmed. So instead of me recording a one hour video of why I made your program the way that it is or why your deficit set to this percentage, I'm just going to give you the what when you want to know, when and if you want to know how, ask me. And I'm totally happy to have that conversation at any time. Um, like you said, we a lot of that stuff we have recorded now and produced to high quality. So we can, we have fucking, what is it, four hours of nutrition backend content for people to go watch. We have training content, obviously, and then what we put out through the free resources with social media yeah. stuff as well. So, We've created an environment where it's when you ask, it's available, but we don't have to smother a client with all of the information straight away either. Yeah. Yeah. And I think after that, it's just get them to really understand the pass fail stuff for the week. Yeah. It's like, you know, pass fail with training, pass fail with nutrition, like pass fail, just like overall in terms of lifestyle. It's like, you know, are you training as hard as possible? Are you recovering as much as you can to ensure that that happens? Performance is your highest virtue, no matter what the goal is you know, because we're progressing in stimuli. So we're progressing in stimuli, we're progressing in performance, essentially. And it's like, are we doing everything to facilitate that nutrition, sleep, hydration, you know, workout consistency, you know, all those things. So tick those off in a week and just be like, I'm doing everything I can for this goal. And it doesn't really matter if it's strength, if it's fat loss, if it's this, it's like, they're all the same. It's just that the variables, the details underneath those are different. So as long as that client has a really clear idea of like those, 
I think that that's the most successful thing. If they don't understand, they need to be able to talk to you about it rather than like, you know, this, the, the idea that coaches are larger than life and there's fear of asking questions and stuff. So we need to really unpack that because we get less curious. We, we have the same curiosity when we're older. We're just scared to ask questions because we don't want to look stupid. Yep. And we don't want to look stupid to someone who's fit, intelligent, you know, a, a, a master in this space, a leader of a pack that that person wants to be a part of. So they're not going to come to that person as like one person in a pack of people and be like, oh, excuse me, I don't know about this. They don't want to be that person that sounds mm-hmm. silly. So we have to know this stuff and we have to go, hey, like, do you understand what's going on right now? Yeah. You know, is there any questions that you have in regards to this? Because we can't assume that that person's going to ask questions. You know, we've unpacked yeah. this in other podcasts, but it's like, it is such an important thing if you're going to manage a large group of people that you take the ownership to not assume and mm-hmm. ask. Yeah. And then lastly, I think to add to all of that in terms of how you would create that sort of understanding is within every check-in, keep looking ahead. Yeah. It's not just the data for that week. It's like, cool, we've got, I, I, if it's a reactive dieting method, it's like, okay, like this looks pretty good. I can't, we've still got a good, at least four weeks in this before we come out or we've got a planned refeed in two weeks. I need you to, to go hard on this. Looks like you're pretty tired because you get into the end of your phase. We've got a deload in a week's time. I need you to fucking give it this week. Like continue to paint that picture of what's coming and why we're doing all of this stuff just to keep that client focused on today is a stepping stone to tomorrow. Yeah. And that tomorrow could be actually tomorrow or in 12 weeks or 12 months that we're continuously working towards that outcome that they want. Yeah. Super, super important. Agreed. I guess we've already kind of touched on it, but um, creating accountability is, is super important. So, you know, we kind of just skimmed over it before, like kind of self-coaching ourselves at the moment. It's like, there's some accountability, there's some, there, there isn't, you know, but I don't know about you. Like I'm still checking in, I'm still filling in my program, still filling in my data um, and I'm still filling in all my KPIs and stuff. So it's like, there's still things built into that kind of check-in procedure that's creating accountability for myself and for you. Um, And we do that for our clients as well. And obviously they've got to be, you know, part of the reason why you get a coach is you want to be accountable to someone. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that someone is you trust them and you have a good relationship with them. That person needs to have a system that, really starts to promote and encourage that consistency and adherence. And that's where this check-in procedure is super important. It's like track the variables that you can interpret and make decisions from. There's no point having metrics in there that just sound cool and you just can't interpret them. It's like, you're just asking someone to do a step that doesn't really matter um, because you can't use that information uh, positively for them. Just need to know what you need to know to get the outcome for them. So whatever that is for you guys, track it. We obviously have a nutrition component. We have a training component. We have an activity component. And then we make, uh, we track their body weight, their measurements. And then we have some KPIs that they can subjectively rank how they feel for some certain things. And we look at that data, they answer some questions because feedback's important. And we determine, you know, the outcomes that that person needs, or sorry, we determine the progress or what that person needs to work on for the week. Um, and that person obviously has to make sure that that stuff's done um, and we're troubleshooting anything along the way. I was like, if we can, if we can make that a regular thing, then we're again, adhering to those overarching things that we spoke about at the start. It's like specific, it needs to be individual, it needs to be progressive and there needs to be some variety. It's like, all of the things we're talking about today make you know take into consideration one or more of those main overarching things that take care of any goal for somebody. That's what a good check-in should do for someone. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about data and what the, our check-in process and stuff. What are the data points you track that maybe are the they're probably always important. We always use them but anything that stands out from a fat loss standpoint that a coach should be looking at and considering? So we use uh, their progress pitches, their average body weight, their girth measurements because they're easier to obtain um, and or skim folds um, by total millimeters. But I find that that's the hardest thing to get unless I'm taking them, which is really hard because I 
obviously work with people around the country. So uh, they're the main ones that we kind of obtain a lot of the uh, objective information. It's like, this is what's happened. Yeah. Um, but it's also important to think about like other information that's it makes you understand why that's happened. Like, why has this objective thing actually come about? And then that's when you look at things like their overall stress load, you know, some of their KPIs and their feedback. They need to tell you like, hey, feeling great doing this. Or it's like, I had a shit week. You know, I'm feeling tired. I fucked this up, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, so all of these things are major influences on this objective data. So I can't make any decisions looking at the objective data yet because I need to see what's happened that's made that happen. I think that's where coaches get what coaches get wrong the most. They don't go that next step to the subjective stuff. Yeah. Um, like I don't know about you, I'll, I'll look at our sheet. All our objective data is first. It's yep. like, sweet. Yep. Waste measurement went down. Sweet. Looks like, yeah, scales have sort of stayed the same. They're new to a phase. Could be recomp. Could be just like a bit of water retention, whatever. Scroll down. Okay. Everything is like green. On our tracker, we obviously have it color-coded for the yep. client, but also for us, it's like everything is green this week. Sweet. Did we achieve the outcomes that we wanted to? Yes. Nothing needs to change. Everything is green is this week. Did we achieve the outcomes we wanted to? No. I probably need to change something. Great. Did we achieve the um, outcomes we wanted to and got yellows, some oranges, maybe a couple of reds here and there? So, okay, I need to figure find out what's going on. I need to find out what's going on right now. Yeah. Because we've either hit a wall with the diet or we're about to, um, or training or whatever other variable that's that's causing this, or it's a lifestyle factor that we need to get on top of and we may need to consider, is this the right time to be pushing a deficit right now? Yep. Yeah. And I guess bringing it back to fat loss, like it's a moving target. So there's going to be these, you know, adaptive, adaptations to dieting these negative side effects that we spoke about um so there's going to be a lot of pushback and you're going to get to a point where you have to interpret this data and go all right is this person making progress are they hitting a a point of like you know metabolic adaptation for example like all the we've dotted all the uh the i's and and crossed all the t's i was like okay we actually have to make an adjustment now um where if we don't have this information that person could just be you know, let's make mistakes, fucking up on their program, eating, overeating, you know, whatever. And it's like, if we don't have this information, we can't make the best decision for someone. Yep. It's like, you just, you know, blindfold on, throwing darts, hopefully you hit the target. Sometimes yep. it works. Sometimes it can't, it doesn't work. And you actually can't rationalize what happened, which means that you can't gain any experience from that moment, that, that time to that person in the future or another client or something like that. So you're not really kind of growing as a trainer, like you're, you're, you're staying where you are. Like there's this really interesting thing about like longevity uh, as a trainer. And it's like, you know, is six years of experience growing, learning from your mistakes, learning more each time, more valuable than that person who's got that 10 years experience, but it's 10 years of the one year of experience. Same shit. I just do the 10 years of the same shit. And it's like, that's, this is part of that process. It's like, you have to rationalize the why you have to be able to make good decisions. You have to do everything you can in your capacity to fulfill your obligations as the coach and tracking information is a super important thing, especially for an online coach. Like it's, it's all you've got to lean on. You don't get to talk to the person. You don't get to see them. You don't get to have that conversation with them face to face. So you need to find a way to make all that happen with your system. Or, you know, fill the obligations of that with your system. Yeah, 100%. And then learning to, depending on the type of coach, maybe you could sort of go in there, like learning to be able to take a bigger lens than just data and just like your training and your macros in isolation are what determines your outcomes. It's like, No nah, man, like if someone hasn't responded well to a lockdown, if someone's fighting with their partner, if someone's going through a separation, a promotion, end of financial year, all of these things impact decision-making, motivation, stress levels, which all impact the outcome. Yeah. 
so being able to we've talked we've on our coaching episode like how to to coach people being able to go into those strategies and have those conversations with people is what will get you particularly for those like life of clients competitors like soz <laughs> like a lot it's of the time this yeah a lot of the time it's like whatever's going on in your world you've got a date i'm sorry this is what needs to happen yeah people who are training to improve the quality of their life to improve their confidence to improve how they look naked etc like they don't they don't have to sacrifice to that level yeah. to still get the outcomes that they want yeah and you need to make sure that just because something's simple, it doesn't mean that it's easy for that person to apply it. Like, you know, you're talking about people that know very little about training, very little about nutrition, you know, very little about all of this stuff, which is part of the reason why they've hired you in the first place. So you need to make sure that you under, that you need to put yourself in their shoes uh, and go, well, if I didn't know much about this like, and I behaved X way for 30, 40 years to even 10 to five, five to 10 years. It's like, it's going to take a little bit of time for that person to, you know, kind of slot into the behaviors and characteristics that, that are needed to get the outcomes that that person wants. You know, with all of the other external influences that are shifting that person back to their old habits. So you've got to be a little bit patient and you have to understand that, yeah, like it's complicated for some people and it's not a mechanistic thing that's stopping them from doing it. You know, it's like, oh, you just got to eat less and move more. It's like, cool if, Thanks, if it was that easy like we we wouldn't really be here right now like you know half the world or whatever the percentage of the world wouldn't be dealing with you know being overweight or whatever it's like you know there's a lot more to it than that yeah any closing thoughts um look i think if someone wants to become uh very uh skilled in this space uh they need to have a multiple elements to their business and their skill set. It's not just the skill set that makes you good at uh, coaching fat loss for someone. You need to have a system, you need to know, and that's part of running your business. So you need to have, you know, good, good kind of structures within your business to, to facilitate the process. You need to have assets to your business, content, things that people can digest. So you're not having the same conversation 30, 40 times with the same person. You need to have obviously sound understandings of the mechanisms of fat loss, and then you need to be good at coaching it as well. So coaching is about communication and about forging good relationships. So again, it's like you can read a textbook and go, cool, I know all this stuff, but it's like you got a shit business and you're a poor communicator. It's like there's two parts to a three-part story that you're not really fulfilling. So, you know, you need to be dotting the I's and crossing the T's everywhere to be elite, you know, to be that person, that go-to person in this space. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, yeah, I didn't even have anything to add to that. <laughs> I, I, I had a one of those the new ultra fiesta mango flavored monster and i like, saw you having that i think i'm gonna have one of these every podcast it's, yeah I, that if i had that at 2 p.m right now fuck it's like i'm working till midnight it's yeah one. yeah i'm all right it's only 150 <laughs> milligrams so i'll be okay yeah only <laughs> so that's two two double espressos yeah yeah Awesome. Um, okay, guys. So if you're interested in learning more, so obviously this is the stuff that we teach inside Stand Out PT. Um, if you're looking to upskill your business, move from that time for money kind of trade-off, business isn't going anywhere, you aren't getting the clients that you want, working too much, not getting paid enough, all of those problems are present in your business right now. Stand Out PT is specifically designed to solve all of those. The next intake is going to be the 4th of October. So uh, you can jump on our website, which is stcfitlearning.com forward slash standout, and you'll find us there. Um, or just inbox us at stcfit underscore learning and Re will be there to have a chat with you as well. There's a few, because that's a fair, it's a little way away. There's a few bonuses that's available right now as well. If you sign up early, you'll get access to our 1K PT course which is essentially designed to take people to running the baseline business model. So you've got a business model in place, you've, your payment sections all sorted, your contracts, all of that's all done, how to sell, how to coach, how to keep clients, fundamentals of PT, you'll get that thrown in for free as well. So yeah, October 11th will be the next kickoff date. Enrollments are currently open. Uh, we do have a seminar, which we have scheduled for the wednesday the 8th 
it's Thursday the 9th. Thursday the 9th, that one will be, um, which will be on sales. Yeah. So how to sell without selling your personal training business. Yeah. And your service and believing in your service so much that you can just communicate what you do and people want to work with you uh, rather than sliding the DMs with a pitch. Convincing people (laughs) to train you. Like Jason and I are fucking sick of. Yeah. Uh, so that's what's on the cards at the moment. Those tickets will come out early next week with the announcement. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that one. It'll be on the Instagram page. That those announcements comes out and you'll be able to get tickets for that. Um, obviously that one will be a recorded online event as well. So anywhere, anyone anywhere is welcome to jump on. If you want to follow me, it's at Ben Scott STC. Jason is at Jason Galea STC. I think that's, that's it. all the stuff. That's it. It's all the formalities. Uh, if you're not already, Jason and I are doing a two-client podcast as well on the STC Fit channel. Uh, we play co-host to Nat. So if you're if uh, two weeks is too long, we have the STC Fit podcast that's in the alternating week. So jump on across jump that on. as yeah. well. Sweet. All right. All right. That was fun. We'll see, see you next time. See you guys time. in a fortnight. Bye. Bye.